Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Get down! Hey everyone, welcome to the Heart of High podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Shamar Charles. This podcast focuses on the goal of providing unique and culturally sensitive perspectives on physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health and wellness. Our goal is to provide you with the best millennial and Gen Z health news you can use. If you like this podcast, follow us on Instagram at HOHThePodcast and give us a rating of five stars on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Now, without further delay, let's get started. Match day is coming up, and for thousands of medical school students, it will be the best day of their lives. After four years of hard work, they will have landed a job. Celebrating the day you find a job is not the norm around the world, but in the U.S., where career and status are everything, finding a job in a highly competitive market can feel like everything. It's not. But alas, it's an important day. Unfortunately, it will also be one of the darkest days for thousands of others who will find out that their dreams of continuing their medical journey is in severe jeopardy. These docs won't be rewarded in the same way as their colleagues. They won't be celebrated, and some may even be chastised and shamed. Some people, including fellow colleagues, will revert to their high school-type behaviors, whispering rumors about why so-and-so didn't match, citing international medical graduate status or testing difficulties. While all this is going on, the unmatched medical student will frantically go through a process called the SOAP, where unhired docs-to-be all but beg residency programs to hire them. Some will avoid a major letdown, others will not. For those who do not match, they will be left with all the shame and all the guilt. It is a lonely place to be. Every year, thousands of medical school graduates aren't given the opportunity to continue their training and achieve full licensure. And that's because there are more medical school graduates than residency spots. This is odd given that there is an estimated shortage of between 54,000 and 100,000 U.S. physicians. Last week, I read an article in the New York Times titled, I Am Worth It, Why Thousands of Doctors Can't Get a Job. They chronicled the medical journey of Dr. Christy Cromblin, a descendant of Alabama sharecroppers and the first person in her family to go to college. As if going to college against all odds wasn't impressive enough, She attended medical school in Barbados while also enlisting in the military so that she could one day fulfill her dream of becoming a flight surgeon. Then came an unexpected hurdle. She had a contentious divorce which led her to take seven years away from medical school to take care of her two sons. In 2012, she returned for her final year, excited to complete her exams and apply for residency, the final step in her training. Dr. Cromlin passed all of her exams and earned her MD but she was rejected from 75 programs. In the following years, as she kept applying, unsuccessfully, 
she learned that some programs filter out applicants who graduate from medical school more than three years earlier. So her rejection pile kept growing, and now she's unemployed with $250,000 in student debt. This story is all too common. In fact, I have friends who have become victims to this very fate. So last week, when I spoke to Dr. Melissa Charles about her journey, I asked her about this. I asked her about her thoughts on this group of medical doctors who apply year after year, raking up the debt, but are unable to land a job in the United States. These were her thoughts. Yeah, I I can definitely, um, for those who aren't familiar with like the matching, I, I'm, I'm speaking, hoping that your audience are all like pre-meds, <laughs> but in the event that they're not, you know, once you finish your medical curricula, you have to get hired and that process is called matching and it's similar to like, I don't know, draft day. <laughs> Everyone knows where they're going to go and then some people don't get picked on first round and then you have a second round and you call that the scramble and that's an opportunity for you to still get picked up by a program. Um, to match into a residency program in North America, whether it's Canada or America, is difficult. There are more applicants than there are slots. And so there are certain programs that will give preference to um, American citizens or people with permanent residency, while others offer opportunities for um, different types of visas, some better than others. And by better, I don't mean that one's worse than another, but one will give you better opportunities to stay in the country longer, et cetera. I've seen colleagues um, who matriculated in the Caribbean um, go through that trajectory and some have stayed the course and eventually matched and others have decided to use other alternatives. Um, it's, it's a very difficult space to have gone through that much schooling and to learn the devastation of not being afforded the ability to train to see patients. Um, and I, I can't, I can't imagine how, how to process that space. But what I will speak of is that the, the degree is not in vain. You know, the degree is, it does open doors. And I was not privy to, I, I mean, when you and I first met, <laughs> I was in anesthesiology residency. And I think we and I kind of spoke about the different career opportunities outside of clinical practice. And there are so many, and that conversation oftentimes is neglected in our medical curricula. So I think that when you start doing research and you see that there are so many opportunities, other areas that are just as lucrative, that can also be impactful in a space where you're using the skill set and the knowledge base that you've accumulated, you'll realize that it was not all for naught. Um, some still pride themselves in, in being able to see patients um, daily. And I will say, you know, if that is your dream, you know, don't give up. <laughs> and if you're re, you know, reanalyzing where you want to go, know that there's, you know, there's journalistic, there's medical writing, there's copyright, there's management consulting, there's so many opportunities in industry. Um, that would ap happily like hire someone with your knowledge base as you acquire different skill sets. So um, that's my take. And then for people who are um, of different countries, that's a very difficult task. 
um, especially when it pertains to visas and visas expiring. And I know in the last year or so, it was just such a volatile space. Uh, as we move forward, I'm hoping that those who are in that space find some solace in a little bit of stability. However, uh, the key is to always be prepared. And so do your research, look at opportunities, ensure that your visas are up to speed, you're not caught right-handed if and when it expires, <laughs> and, um, and, and know that the world is your oyster and that there's, there's a wealth of opportunity that are looking for people with your knowledge base. Guys, Melissa's advice is the best advice I've ever heard from someone who hasn't experienced the disappointment of not matching. I think both of us would agree that we don't want your story to end this way. So here are three, actually more than three, here are five additional bits of advice that I would have for you if you don't match. Number one, stay close to medicine. It's so easy to run away. The temptation to just ball up and go away is so real. Don't be a turtle. Don't do that. Do something meaningful. Uh, it could be anything in medicine. So you're staying close to the field and you're staying abreast of all the new information that's coming out. And if you're passionate about it, even better. Um, I'm passionate about public health. I love public health. I would love more people to be a part of this field. You are certainly welcome and we would love to have you. So please, please, please stay close to medicine. Two, don't just get another degree just because. Uh, racking up the debt and, uh, and the degrees just isn't the way to go. It's never the way to go. So please don't do that. Three, Take as much time as you need to study for step three and crush it, especially if you have any testing concerns uh, that you want to alleviate. Four, pray. God has a plan for you. If you do your part, the universe will reward you tenfold, I promise you. And number five is stay in touch with your medical school. Your medical school is a valuable resource. Just because it didn't work out the first time doesn't mean that they can't work in your favor a second time. They can connect you with valuable medical opportunities that you yourself probably can't tap into. So don't shun them because you're disappointed. Life didn't work out for you as you planned. So please stay in touch with your medical school. But what would this episode be like without a personal story about the triumph of going through not matching and then eventually matching? We have with us today Dr. Amber Clark, Chief Resident in Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation at UAB and a former classmate of mine at Brown Med. She's a change agent and an absolute ardent advocate for marginalized populations, especially those who suffer from disabilities. She's the youngest of three girls raised in Monroe, Louisiana, and she's here to share her match day story with us. Thank you for being here with us, Amber. Can you tell us about your match day experience? <laughs> Yeah, my match day was definitely one uh, that was very memorable. I was excited, and it, it was it was a mixture of excitement versus nervousness um, versus a feeling of if what if could be a feeling. That's how I would describe it. It was just a lot of uncertainties, and I was just interested of what the next few months of my life would be looking like. So for those of you who aren't familiar with how the match process works, it's actually a match week. And the first, during the first day, three days of the week, you find out if you matched into a residency program with which you applied or you didn't match. 
And my specialty that I applied to is physical medicine and rehabilitation. I'd interviewed at several different programs. I'd also had to interview at preliminary programs because most of our PM&R residency programs aren't, um, they're more categorical, they aren't advanced. But so I remember, you know, of course there's, there's some anticipation leading up to that day. And I remember opening my email and reading the words that I had not matched. And I remember there was a feeling of just shock and I was paralyzed. Like if I, I, it was a feeling of paralysis. I couldn't move. My mind was going 110, 210 miles per hour. And it was honestly very traumatizing because I'm thinking, okay, now what am I going to do? I didn't match. What does this say about me? You know, um, what are other people going to think about me? Will I match? Like what, what are the next steps? So I distinctly remember calling my mom um, and I have an, an older sister that is a physician. She's an internal medicine physician in Tallahassee. And like, she snapped me out of it in the sense that she, I remember her telling me, you have to move. So what that meant for me was I had to go up to Brown, the medical school. And, um, you know, they already had the list of people who matched and didn't match. And they were there waiting. There was this, I was, there were some other people that didn't match. And there was just a sense of just, it, it was very solemn. So um, in this sense of, it's still trauma. And in the sense of you're trying to navigate trauma, but, but life is still going on. There's still decisions that have to be made. There's still actions that have to be taken. So I'm navigating this. And there were four PM&R residency programs that had opening still. So they hadn't filled. And these were four opportunities for me to get a residency spot, or I would have to wait until the next year. So... Um, I remember the first one was University of Alabama, which is where I am now. Um, the second one was University of Arkansas, and I couldn't remember the last two. But I was looking through the programs, and for UAB, I saw the program director's face, um, Dr. Kenesha Kirks, and there was automatically like a sense of peace. And when I tell you she's the only one that called me, she's the only one that offered me an interview. And I matched. And yeah, it, it was the only one. And just to have that piece about it, even before she called, you know, I still had to submit my applications and all the other things, but yeah. Can you tell us about the immense sense of relief you may have felt, but also the sense of accomplishment um, from having gone through this roller coaster of emotions from going from <laughs> not matching um, to quickly matching? I wish I could, but I can't because some things you can't really put into words. I will say though that it was a sense that the Lord God himself hadn't forgotten about me and that it was clear that this was the path that he had for me and this was the way that he was instructing me to go in. Um, Again, there there's still feelings of, you know, 
I'd actually never visited this program, so I didn't know what to expect, but it's clear that this is where I'm supposed to be. And I'll tell you to this day, it's been the best thing that's happened to me as far as my career is concerned, and even some um, implication of being in Birmingham for my social life. But, you know, it, it, I was so relieved that I wouldn't have to wait. I didn't have to wait. I could continue on this trajectory, you know, um, and there was also, you know, a sense of validation that someone really appreciated what I had to offer. Someone saw what I had to offer and was willing to further invest in me. Can you explain to us why and how this obstacle ended up being the best decision that was ever made for you? The residency program that I trained in actually valued resident opinions, truly took into account resident education, and that benefited me over and over again. You know, I had the opportunity, I was selected as administrative chief resident during my last year, and that's a leadership role, you know, that I think about had I trained at other larger, you know, um, institutions or other residency programs, I very well have been, may have been overlooked for that leadership role. And that, that's, you know, many, or many people that may be listening, you know, chief residents, um, I mean, that, that is a highly respected role, especially when you're selected. So we were actually chosen by faculty. You know, our residents, um, our co-residents had input, but the ultimate decision rested on faculty. And um, that was definitely a great experience for me. Also, with my interest in health policy, both my program director and associate program director were always looking for opportunities to get me involved, as well as other leadership opportunities. Um, it's also great to have trained at a program where both my program director, associate program director, who is now the interim chair, look like me. So they're African-American female physicians that are practicing in an academic institution, very, very rare, very rare, and are in leadership positions within an organization. So not only do I have the support but I also have examples, and so much so that I actually stayed on as faculty. So I graduated, and I was like, you know what? There's some good juice here, so I think I'm going to stay on. So um, now I am faculty. I do several things. My roles include being the stroke consult attending, so I see patients that have had strokes and manage their acute rehab um, issues before bringing them over into inpatient rehab. I also have an outpatient stroke continuity of care clinic. I do electrodiagnostic medicine. I have a general musculoskeletal clinic as well. Um, also have opportunities and in pursuing other opportunities in healthcare policy, which is also supported by um, our interim chair, Dr. Powell. So um, that that's career-wise. Um, socialized, you know, I've met some great friends here. I met my husband here. We recently got married a little over a month ago. So it, it has been life-changing and in the best way possible. Congratulations. You are definitely life goals. If there is one bit of advice that you could give to a young person who hasn't matched, what would that be? It would definitely be regardless of the outcome, 
a decision of whether you match or don't match does not define you. You know, I think a lot of times and God forbid that you're, you experience the same, you know, um, situation that I did, but if you do, I need you to understand that you are not a failure. It, this has no reflection on you. You are not the failure. It's clear that this may not have been the time or the plan that has been ordered for you, but please don't internalize that as something is wrong with you. So in that, you get great mentors. You go back to the drawing board. You see what needs to be done, what needs to be tweaked, but do not internalize that as something being centrally wrong with you. I don't think we hear that enough in medicine. I think that at times that is one of the greatest fallacies of medicine, that we are so goal oriented that when there is a failure, we take it hard and we take it to heart. Your ability to pass the test, your ability to, um, or your test taking skills do not define the type of position that your patients need you and want you to be. Bingo. That's it right there. Thank you, Amber, for sharing your story. I know that recounting these truths isn't always easy, but someone out here needs to hear it. I hope that our doctor-to-be listeners and anyone who knows a doctor-to-be is inspired by your story and rethinks giving up on their dream just because their match day didn't turn out the way they hoped. And thank you, of course, for listening. Everyone out there who keeps listening every week, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. If you have any questions or comments, drop us a line at HOH the podcast on Instagram. And as always, stay safe, wear a mask, and get vaccinated. See you next week. Having fun, got much fun. Having fun, got much fun. Call the page to call. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.